But it's, it's always lovely coming here. It's um, <laughs> great <laughs> to be <laughs> welcomed here so well. Um, as you know, that some of you actually don't know me at all. You probably think, actually, who are you? And you might not know Graham either. But Graham was the beardy guy who was on the, the video. Andrew was the non-beardy one. So Aunt Graham is staying. Andrew is kind of smoothly moving and transitioning somewhere else. Um, so I'm married to Graham. Uh, so a lot of my job is, is I guess, looking after him, making sure he keeps sane, making sure that he's on the right path. Um, but I love my other part, apart from making tea, the other, my other role really is overseeing the whole Freed for Purpose course and all the pastoral implications and the team that goes along with that. So I've actually loved this last series. This series is on called Essence, and it's really based on uh, who we are as Christians, our core identity of who we are, inherent nature. Um, we haven't been looking at um, ourselves internally and looking at our behavior or, or um, I don't know, perhaps things that we might do as a living to define us. We've been looking at, through the book of Colossians, who we are, how God sees us through his eyes. Um, because everything else, as we've seen over the last few weeks, is changeable. If we base it on our behavior, if we base, base it on uh, our passes or our failures or, or our culture, it's all changeable depending on where we're brought up, who brought us up, um, the, the influences we've had on our lives. Whereas if we base our identity on what God says, it doesn't matter where we've been born, who has brought us up and what influences we've had because we know it will never change. So I've loved this series and if you've missed any of them, they're all online and they're great. We've looked at, um, right at the very beginning, um, us being saints holy ones, blameless. Graham looked at that. We've looked at being rescued. We've looked at now being alive. Jez covered the whole area of being hidden in Christ. Um, Andrew last week, I think, looked at being new. And this week, we're looking at we are now forgiven. We are a forgiven people. Now, about three and a half years ago, I was asked to speak at a ladies' conference. You men won't know anything about that. But I was asked to speak on forgiveness. So I, I prayed, as you do, and said, Lord, I just, I just remind me what it is to be a forgiven person. And, and Lord, just remind me what it's like to, to actually be forgiven and to forgive others. Do you ever pray these prayers and then really regret it? This was one of those moments. Because I'd set aside some time to do some prep. And that day was also another very exciting day. Because that was a day I was picking up a brand new car. I've never had a new car before. It was um, compound clearance. So basically, it was like the runt of the litter. It was the last car left. But it was new. So we went for it. You know those cars where you used to have keys to open the doors? It actually had that. And, and windows that you wind down, it still has that. In fact, I picked up a friend and they, you're nodding. Have you got one? used to. <laughs> no, you've heard of them. I picked up a friend in my car and she just said she didn't even know they made cars like this anymore. But they do. But it was new. So I was picking up that morning. So I went to the garage, picked up the car, drove it round to King's Church in Hampden Park. Who's been there? Okay, most of you have probably been there at some point. There's a nice car park, lots of space. I parked it there, went in to collect books and other things that I might need for the preparation, stayed there for about an hour, then came back out and admired my nice, white, shiny car, only to see 
that had two huge scratches and dents down the side of one. Oh, that's a nice reaction. Actually, that's probably the best reaction. Hmm. That's exactly how I felt. I thought, well, I looked and thought, how on earth could that have happened? And I looked and thought, I could guess what had happened, that someone was reversing into this quite large space next to my car, and then as you took it, kind of turned it a little bit too close, went scraped all the way down the side of the car, all the way down. Then they must have realized, I'm a little bit close to that car. And instead of pulling out, they decided to drive back the same way, scratching it all the way down the side again. And you can imagine how I felt. Oh, that's painful, it's painful. <laughs> yeah, you feel the pain. It had 1.1 miles on the clock, I looked. <laughs> I checked. And, um, but I looked around to see whether anyone had seen anything. The car was no longer there. I could not believe it. It's a church car park. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't happen here, would it, in Seaford? No, Stuart would be looking after the car somewhere, or, or some Tony, someone would be. Anyway, there's nothing I could do. I got into the car, drove home, got to my desk, opened my books, and looked at the whole area of forgiveness. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, three and a half years later, I met with Jez and Andrew, and he said, oh, would, they li would I like to do this talk on forgiveness and being forgiven? And I went, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do that. Sounds a good idea. And I was trying to look back and, and think about how I felt when that happened. And I, I again, got my books out, sat in the, it's this time at home on my desk, and I thought, um, I, it's quite good, because I can't remember the depth of feeling that I felt. I must have forgiven that person, whoever <laughs> they are, no one admitted to it last Sunday, but there must have been someone there. And uh, <laughs> I gave them lots of opportunity to respond, but they, they didn't come forward. Um, but I didn't have to wait long before the feelings revealed themselves to me, because I needed a little break from doing this prep, and I needed to go to the shops, got in the car. Just as I got to my car, there was a brand new huge dent over the wheel arch of my car. This is true. This is not a story I'm making up just for this. Honestly, it's there. You can have a look in the car park. And um, I, as you imagine, all the feelings came rushing back on you, exactly what it was like to feel like the disappointment, the sick feeling, the sense of, I cannot believe it. Um, anyway, I decided not to go back to my prep. I'd completely had enough. <laughs> so I've done absolutely no preparation for this whatsoever. <laughs> I'm going to wing it. I've heard that you're quite relaxed here. So you can <laughs> wing it. You can do that. Um, Jess said there's absolutely no time restrictions here. We can just chill out, get a coffee, carry on talking. So um, <laughs> that's true. That's what I'm going to do. Anyway, Graham, the beardy guy, actually came home. Uh, he'd been away for that weekend, and I hadn't told him about the car. And he came in, and he said, guess what, Blinda? I've just received an email. You've been asked to speak at a conference. I went, no way. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not unless it's on the abundance, overflow, and generosity of the Lord, and then I might think about it. <laughs> but anyway, let's have a look. That's my intro. What we're looking at today is Colossians. There is some relevance to that story. <laughs> let's look at 12. Verse 12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That's who we are. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. <coughs> and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And this morning we're looking at just one line, which is, as the Lord has forgiven you, 
so you also must forgive. And there'll be different types of people here this morning. There'll be some people here saying, oh, I don't really know what you mean. What do you mean forgiven? I don't, I don't need to be forgiven. I'm, I'm living a good life. I'm, I'm getting on with things. I get on with my neighbours. I'm kind and compassionate. I'm, I'm doing okay. Now, Ollie Stevens spoke about this several weeks ago and said, this is like us living in darkness. We were born into this darkness, which means basically being separated by, um, from God um, by sin. Nothing, not our choice. That's what we're born into. And we muddle on in our lives doing our best, but we're not following God. We don't, we're not aware of him. So you'd be thinking, well, I don't need to be forgiven. There'd be another group of people here who might be going, I am completely aware of the light being switched on. And it's like a spotlight that's focusing on you. And you're aware of every spot and blemish. um, And it makes you feel shameful and guilty. And you're aware that you need to be forgiven. And there'd be another group of you who are saying, well, it's kind of like a dimmer switch. That you're, you're aware of God. You're aware of, of your life and that you've needed to be forgiven. You've accepted that, but you're kind of still living in the past and, and bringing your past with you. And there'll be others here who'll be going, no, I've accepted God. I'm grateful for all that he's done, and I've left the past behind. I accepted his forgiveness, and I'm moving on into all that God has called us to. Now, whatever category you fall into, I think most people or all Christians would believe that we all need to be forgiven even if we are aware of it or not. Now, there's also a group of people who go, well, I understand that. I'm not there yet, but I understand that. There's also important for us to realize that whatever we do, there's a consequence to our actions. So when we do something which is uh, wrong or we wrong another person, there is a consequence. Um, Someone has to pay the price. Like with my car, there is a guilty person out there somewhere. I haven't found them yet, but there's a guilty person out there somewhere. <laughs> oh, Ed, you did come round actually the other week, didn't you? You've just been the fingers being pointed. <laughs> That's what they all say. Yeah, give it time. <laughs> but <laughs> it's just easy to get distracted here, isn't it? I'm really sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, not in my head. So it, it, there is a guilty person out there somewhere. Now, someone has to pay the price. Either the person who actually reversed into my car, and I'll give them lots of opportunity. I even put a little note in my car saying, this is where I live. This is my phone number. If you want to come around and and alleviate your guilt, please feel free. I've heard nothing. So alternatively, it would be someone else who would pay the price, probably me. Um, Or I could just leave it and I could leave it damaged, and it could gradually get worse and decay and rust, and I could just leave it to to get worse, really. Three options. Now, with our lives, God didn't want any further decay. He knew what we're like. He knew that there was a problem, and he knew that actually there needed to be restoration. And he also knew that we couldn't do it. And he knew that actually he needed to pay the price, and that's what he did. He took it on completely. He released us from all debt, removed all guilt, removed all shame. Something that David was praying earlier, that actually he's rescued us completely. We are free completely and we can walk in that. However, our default position often is, is to not always believe that, feel that actually God is kind of just tolerating us and putting up with us. He sees all our mistakes. He sees our blemishes. And, and he kind of goes, oh, not again. 
and we have this default position of thinking he's just kind of getting by, kind of wishing that he hadn't uh, um, saved us and just putting up with us. And uh, Paul, the apostle in Ephesians 1, says, no, 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 it's completely wrong. We, it's completely wrong. This is what he says. Before the foundations of the earth was laid, he was going to adopt you, make you holy and blameless in his sight. So whether we have good days or bad days, whether we've done right, whether we've done wrong, whether we've passed or whether we've failed, actually, he never, ever gives up on us. Never gives up on us. In him, we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. I just love that word, lavished. It's like extravagant, it's plentiful, it's over the top, it's, it's unstoppable. And this is what God says. He says that the grace of forgiveness is lavished on us, a ridiculous amount, over the top, continuous, ongoing, never ending. That's what he says. He never, ever regrets saving us or paying the price in full. Never regrets it. However we might feel about ourselves, he never regrets it. He says that there is no sin, past, present, or future, that actually has more power than the cross of Jesus Christ. There is nothing, past, present, or future, that has more power than the cross of Jesus he said he has paid the debt in full. And some of you might be thinking, yeah, but you don't really know me. And I don't. Um, you don't really know my past. You don't really know what I've done. You don't really know what I'm thinking now or, or, what, I'm, or what my behavior is like past or even what it's going to be like. You have no faith that even you're going to change. And Jesus would say, he has paid the price in full. That you are free. That is the grace he lavished on us and our forgiveness. And I'm, I'm pushing this and pressing this home because I think it is so important. Because sometimes we can just be tormented, I think, by the thoughts of the past, what we have done, or even just the thoughts of recently, of Jez saying, actually, I came in at 10 past 8, Graham, and then thinking, actually, that's not true. <laughs> You know, we are constantly, we're, we're walking this fine line, aren't we, of right and wrong, right and wrong. And sometimes we can, we can be quite harsh on ourselves, but God said he has paid the price. If we truly hold on to this, there's no accusation that can stand against us. If we truly hold on to this. I'm going to tell you a story about a friend of mine who um, has been a mum for 19 years, and she's always, always felt that she's been a terrible mum. Um, and it's had these condemning accusational thoughts, almost like a dialogue going on in her head, really, about how bad she was, because she did treat her, her children pretty badly in the early years. Eleven years ago, she became a Christian, and you'd think, great, that, that means you can now walk in his freedom. It didn't happen like that. Actually, the nagging and condemning thoughts continued. She still thought, but I was bad, and this is terrible. How can I get over this? Um, she came along on a, um, one of these freedom courses, and I openly said, okay, what do people want to, to get from this? What are your expectations? And she was the first to put her hand up and just said, I, I just want to be free from fear so I can enjoy my life and free from this condemning, nagging th thoughts. And uh, anyway, we carried on the, with the course, and uh, it's, there's no quick fix. But, but she 
said, you know, there's one evening where we were talking about battle for the mind, and she was, but how can I stop these thoughts? When you're saying stop the lies, and she's saying they're not lies, they're truth. I, I wasn't very good, and I did mistreat my children. How can I stop that? We said, but there's no condemnation. There's this back and forth and back and forth. And then people prayed, and then she looked down, and on the sheet she read this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And this is what she said. I'm quoting her. In an instant, all the pain and self-hatred vanished. It was like I'd woken up from a nightmare, completely gone. Now, I asked if I could share this story. This happened about a year ago, and I spoke to her a couple of weeks ago, and I said, well, how are you now? She said, it's fine. Her mind is completely at peace. There's none of these nagging, condemning thoughts. It has gone. She had got it. She'd received it and accepted it. Thought, this is true. She then said, um, what's even better is that next week, which is actually the week just gone, I'm, I've booked a holiday with me and my daughter to Paris, something she would never have dreamed of done. She'd been too frightened to have done that. And she sent me a little photo of her and her daughter with Disney Paris behind her. Mm. Just incredible what God can do. Now, God has done that for all of us. but We need to get it into ourselves and actually choose to believe it and accept what he has done. Now, let's go back. It says in the verses we were looking at, as the Lord has forgiven you, so I've looked at how God has forgiven us already, so you also must forgive. This is our response. Andrew spoke last week, didn't he, about taking off stuff and then putting on new clothes. The new clothes for today are forgiveness. Put it on. This is what he says. Now, Jesus often spoke about forgiveness, and um, Peter once challenged him on this and just said, okay, Jesus, so how many times should I forgive? In those days, three times was pretty good. So he said, well, how about seven times, Jesus? And Jesus went, not seven times. We're looking at 70 times seven. You imagine the disciples like, that's a lot. That's like continuous. So Jesus went on to tell a story because he often did that to help explain things. So he said, it's a bit like the kingdom of God is a bit like the king who needed to settle his accounts. So a lot of people owed him a lot of money. So the king called up the, his subjects, and there was one particular person who said, actually, you owe me a, a horrific amount of money, so hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds. So actually, I'd like you to set up now, really. I'm selling my accounts, and you owe me this. Can I have it? And the guy just said, well, I can't. There's no way I can afford that. And he said, well, okay, I'll take you and your wife and your kids and all of your furniture, your house and everything, your belongings, and we're going to put it to auction. And at that point, the, the guy crumbled and fell to his knees and says, please, no, uh, I, you can't do that. You can't do that to me or my family. Please have mercy. And the king saw him and said, okay, not only did he say, he, he don't, it's not about paying it back in jibs and jabs, he said, you, I will write your debt off completely. Now, I don't know about you, but most of us probably have some sort of debt, whether it's a mortgage or whether it's a student loan or whether it's a credit card. Imagine the bank manager saying, okay, I call it in now, I call it in, you need to pay off your mortgage now, you need to pay off the student loan now, and you're thinking, there's no way I can do that. And then the bank manager say, okay, it's done. What a relief, what a relief for all of us. <laughs> That'd be amazing, wouldn't it, to have everything, every debt cancelled. Um, that's the equipment, that's the kind of story Jesus was telling. So this guy must have felt, oh, fantastic, walked out, but almost immediately, he came across one of his servants and noticed, actually, you owe me an equivalent of about 10 pounds. Can I have it now? In fact, I demand to have it now. 
give it to me now. <laughs> and um, the guy so I said, I can't. He said, look, um, what do you think the natural response for this guy to be? Of course, you don't have to pay. Well, he didn't. He took him and said, I'm going to throw you into prison until you pay every single penny back. Some of us are familiar with that story. And uh, the, the people heard and went, no, that's outrageous. Told the king. The king said, don't you remember how much I've forgiven you? Surely, if I have forgiven you this much, you can forgive him this much. And he was outraged and threw him into prison. He said, actually, you're going to need to pay it all back. Now, Jesus told this story not just to shock people, but to say, look, this is what the kingdom of, of heaven is like. This is what God is like. He's saying he has forgiven us so much. Every debt has been cancelled. Therefore, because of that, of course you can forgive others the little that they've done to you. It's not diminishing what people have done. It's saying, of course you can. Now, I don't know whether you think that all sounds very nice, nice little story. Um, that's a long time ago. That's what Jesus said. We've got a video story, actually, that I wouldn't mind showing, um, which says, actually, this is real life now and how important and significant it is for today. So... I'll sit down. In September 2004, while I was on holiday in America, I was knocked down by a car. I was actually hit in the back and suffered serious and life-changing injuries. As a result of the accident, I suffered a burst fracture of the spinal cord, and so I had a seven-hour operation which involved major surgery, and I was told beforehand that I could face permanent paralysis or even death on the operating table. Uh, but after, the, uh, after I'd had the operation, which was successful, one of the surgeons told me that I'd probably never walk again but by God's grace and healing power, I am. There came a point when I knew I had to make a decision about the driver in order to move on and let go. Most people would argue that the driver who knocked me down deserved all my anger and frustration over what happened to me and the effect it had on my life. But really, justice is not up to me. When I look back over my own life and think of all the things that God has forgiven me for, how can I not extend that same grace which is giving people what they don't deserve to the driver? I knew that I had to choose to forgive, not wait until I felt like it or ask for help to forgive, but I had to make that decision for myself to forgive the driver and let go. I knew that if I did not, could not, or refused to forgive, it would lead to bitterness and be bound up by the past. It's often been said that refusing to forgive is a bit like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. I bear the driver no malice or ill will, and I am not held back by the past and about what happened to me. The accident does not define my identity in Christ. I feel free and that I am walking in freedom, and I remove the enemy's ability to hold me back. I think the best way I can sum it all up is to say that when you forgive, you don't change the past, you change the future. Hmm. Amazing story. Um, Paul, I know really very, very well. Him and his wife um, are part of the Freedom Team, and they spend hours and hours with people, helping people to come to terms with some of the issues and difficulties in their life, particularly relating to forgiveness. You look at him and think, that's incredible that he's paying, still living with the massive consequences of someone else's actions, and yet he's able to forgive and move on. Amazing. So let's look practically. Why should we forgive? Uh, we are to first of all, we are to relate to others how God relates to us. 
first and foremost, that's what he's asking us to do. It's also essential for our freedom, and that's a big deal. As Paul just said, forgiveness doesn't change the past, but it changes the future. You know, it's not about trying to change the past. It's looking at actually how can we go on into the future. Um, it's about removing a debt. Matt Williams spoke um, several weeks ago and said it's about cancelling the debt that stood against us with its legal demands and nailing it to the cross, completely cancelling it. And it's also about extending grace, showing unconditional, undeserved favour. They don't deserve it. Of course people don't deserve forgiveness. That's the thing. You know, the, the driver that drove into Paul doesn't deserve his forgiveness. Of course he doesn't. But actually it's unconditionally giving that forgiveness what God has done for us. Forgiveness isn't a feeling. I don't know if you're like me, but if you wait until you want to forgive, I don't think I would ever forgive. For me, if I don't do it pretty quickly, it just builds up and builds up and gets worse. So actually, it's not about a feeling. You don't wait until you feel like it. Forgiveness is a choice. It's an act of mercy. Even when you think they might deserve judgment, actually, it's, it's choosing mercy. It's not fair. It's a costly gift. Um, forgiveness doesn't make light of your hurt. There'll be some of you sitting here going, yeah, but it's so painful. It's not trying to diminish that, but it is still going ahead and forgiven. It doesn't devalue your principles. You think, but that's completely, what they have done is completely against my principles. It's not saying that, that you have to um, rubbish your own principles. It's saying that actually we need to act in mercy regardless of that. It also opens the way to reconciliation. Um, I think you prayed that earlier today that we are to be people who um, are agents of reconciliation. Now, it's not always going to be the case. We're not always going to be able to um, uh, have reconciliation with people. In fact, I don't always recommend that people go up. I had someone once who came up to me and said, Belinda, it's all right, I've forgiven you. And I'm going, have you? That's good. I had no idea what I did, but I thought I'd just leave it. <laughs> yeah, we can't always, we can't always mend bridges, but we are called to actually forgive and be agents of reconciliation. It's not forgetting. Sometimes we think uh, we forgive. You think, have I really forgiven because I haven't forgotten? It's not forgetting instantly, but actually when we do forgive, it, the memories become less painful and it, it does, we can leave it in the past. Um, there are, some of you are aware that I used to work in mental health and I always remember this one particular patient of mine that I went to visit um, she uh, would talk to me a lot about the anger and frustration and difficulty she had with her husband uh, she then spoke about the difficulty relationship she had with her kids who are now grown up and then her grandkids and, and actually people weren't visiting her anymore and it was awful and she felt so alone and isolated and actually she told me of a story that things happened and started going wrong as a child. It was nothing to do with her now family. But she wasn't able to forgive the person who had hurt her so badly as a child. And because of that, she had dragged all the anger and bitterness into every relationship she was in. If we don't forgive, that's often what we're doing. We are dragging the past with us. When we forgive, we can actually leave it and walk on. And when we do that, the memories do fade. They really do. I'm sure many of you will be aware that if you don't, it feels as if it's just happened, even if it was years ago. If you don't forgive, it feels you walk down the street and you see someone, you think, is it that person? It's as if it's just happened. When we forgive, we can walk free. So it is choosing to let go, not bringing things up from the past. Actually, can I have a, a volunteer? Catherine, this is the fun bit that, that Jez was talking about. 
I'm not a volunteer. Actually, that's not really a volunteer, is it, if I'm picking you? But I, look, you're probably even more worried when I'm looking at... This is my toilet crime scene toilet roll. Okay, that's because my parents enjoy giving me novelty toilet rolls, but it's quite appropriate for today. Because what I'd like Catherine to do is take a little bit, not all of it, because it might come in handy later, but I'd like you to write somewhere along there. You can go back in a moment. Write something that someone has done to you which has offended you, the crime. Someone has offended you and upset you. Quite easy, just look at that guy over there. <laughs> I know, I'm sure things will come fl flooding back. Now, you don't have to share this with anybody. Okay, I'd just like you to, to write that. And then what I'd love you to do, even as you're doing that, this is multitasking, is I want you to run out of the door, turn left, yeah. and there's a toilet actually. Yeah. Little, you, can, you can run right down the corridor if you want, but actually go to the near one, which is just around here, and then flush it down the loo, and then come back. Okay. Go, Catherine. Go, Catherine. Come on. Go. Oh, what's this um, clap coordinator? What is that? We need a clap coordinator, Chris. Go, Catherine. Go, Catherine. <laughs> yeah, go. <laughs> a clap coordinator at all, do you? You're very good. Now, Graham and I often get invited to um, sit on in, in, in people's situations when they're having difficulties, particularly with marriages. And there was one situation years and years ago, uh, and a couple said, um, you know, we're having some difficulties, can you come around? So we did, and we said to them, okay, we sat down and said, now, just tell us a little bit. Hang on. Hold on, Catherine. <laughs> Come back to you in a moment. <laughs> and I spoke to this couple, and we said, okay, so, so what's going on? Just tell us a little bit about your story. And the wife sat down and said, well, we've been married 15 years, but three weeks after our wedding day, he did this. I thought, we're going to be here a long time. <laughs> and then the husband said, well, I know that I did that, but I did that because you did this. And she said, yes, I know. But do you remember when you did this? And it went on and on, backwards and forwards. They kept bringing things up from the past and throwing it. And um, Catherine, did you manage to flush? And did it go? Excellent. Now, <laughs> what I could ask Catherine to do is actually go back and retrieve that offence. So, Catherine, if you don't mind, if you can just go back and go and retrieve... You're not moving. <laughs> no. It's, it'd be messy, wouldn't it? It'd be really messy. I went in that loo earlier. It's already messy, you know? <laughs> you know, you don't want to go and retrieve things back. Catherine could also say, okay, I'm not going to go there, but I'll go to the sewage works, and I'll say at, oh, goodness, at half past 11... Um, I flushed this. Is there any way of someone being able to find this? I want to retrieve it back. That'd be even more messy. She's not going to do that. Once she's written this offence, once she's flushed it, once it's gone, it's gone. Once she's forgiven, it's gone. When we try and retrieve things from the past, it's always messy. Once we've forgiven, we need to let it go. So we're not keeping reminding the other person what they've done, their offences. We forgive and move on. Now, it's also not about reminding ourselves. Sometimes we can just 
keep reminding ourselves what, what we've done. We might have forgiven them and not tell them, but actually we keep play, overplaying it. And God says, actually, don't do that either. Just let it go. And that's a battle for the mind. We need to say, enough, stop. I have forgiven. I'm now leaving it in the past. In Jeremiah 31, 34, it says, I will remember their sins no more. I will put it away from me as far as the east is from the west. Now, God doesn't forget. He just doesn't retrieve it. He remembers everything. He knows everything. But he's just not going to retrieve it. But it's also, you might be sitting there and going, well, so that's, it's like tolerating sin that you just have to put up with things. No, it's not. It's not just tolerating it. We do need to say enough. Um, I, I met with a lady once who had been extremely um, abused as a child. It was a terrible situation. And she came to the place where she did choose to forgive her parents. But she also came to the same decision where she went, actually, that's enough, and she needed to report this to the authorities. Because actually it was to protect her and also to protect others. So we're not saying whatever, you know, just let it happen, let it go. But we do need to forgive people whatever the consequences are. It's not about seeking revenge. I'm sure we're aware of that. We've got to believe and trust that God is a good and a just God. We're not the ones who need to go out and avenge. We need to believe it with God and trust that he will actually deal with that. So in summary, really, it's a, it's a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. It's resolving to live with the consequences of someone else's behavior. But we can do that. We all have to live with the consequences of other people's behavior. It's to do that either in the bondage of bitterness, like my patient did, just dragging it all with her, or the couple we met with, or to do it in the freedom of forgiveness, like we heard Paul. Mm. You know, what, what's a choice? What are we going to do? Uh, we often, within the, the church prayer, a very simple prayer, really, and it goes like this. Lord, I choose to forgive. I don't wait. I don't ask God to help me to forgive. You say, I choose to forgive for doing this particular thing, which made me feel like this. I choose not to hold on to my bitterness and resentment. Please heal my damaged emotions. And then you pray blessing over that person. That's when you know you've forgiven. And then you walk away and leave it. Don't keep retrieving it back. Let's go back to Colossians 3. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved, that's who we are. That's how God sees us. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all these, put on love. Say, can I do that? Yes, you can, because you're new creations in Christ. Can I really forgive? Yes, you can. Because we are in Christ. That's our new identity. That's inherent. That's who we are. Now we're going to, in a moment, I don't know whether the band comes up or whether you've got a song or whatever to lead us into. We're going to be um, breaking bread. I'm not sure whether you've done this last week or the week before and you might think, why are we doing this again? Well, it's actually really central to our faith to remind us who Jesus is, what he has done for us, and particularly in a week and a topic like this. Um, this is what Jesus said when he broke bread and drank wine with his disciples. He said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, 
which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, this would probably hopefully be quite an informal time. I love that we're meeting here in, in the cafe. It's quite intimate and cozy. Um, I think there are a couple of stations. There, there may be a few ways that people might want to respond. And um, there may be people here who've, who've never accepted Jesus. And I'd say this is a great opportunity to actually say, yes, I'm going to choose to believe you and accept you into my life. There'll be others of you going, you know, I'm listening to this, but I just can't forgive myself. Sometimes we can forgive others, but actually you can think, but I'm the one. Like um, my friend with her children said, I just can't forgive myself. Actually, it's important. This is a great time to be able to say, look, I God has forgiven me, therefore I must forgive myself and move on. This is what God wants of us, to stop punishing ourselves. So maybe some people who need to do that. And there may be others who say, as I've been speaking, you, there may be names or faces that have just come to mind. You think, I think I need to choose to forgive these people. Now, I'm not sure how you want to do that, Jez, um, or whether people want to, I don't know, kind of hand back over to you. And I'm sure the band will come up and carry on, but thank you. <laughs>